Here on hallowed ground where now we stand, a black trans woman picked up a brick and broke a glass ceiling that white gay men reassembled in their own stained glass image. I guess when you exist at the intersection of a black, queer, femme, and othered body, even stone walls can protect you. Here on hallowed ground where now we stand, we have taken communion. Our blood has been spilt in the name of the Father who never saw us, the Son who was never freed from her cage, and the spirit of giving that included us too late. We were pushed to the shadows and found glory in our hole in the wall. They cut off our heads, leaving our torsos and an app in which to find love, and we did. We found love in a hopeless place to the tune of a beat, even as fingers curled around triggers faster than tongues could curl around ours. Presente! But it gets better. And love won. And gun control now, because you couldn't then and you won't now see us as you step over our bodies on the way to Congress. My siblings. May we never forget that here on hallowed ground where now we stand, their names must always be said. Honors given must be earned. Liberation taken must be for all. And our politics must always prioritize us. It's been a long, long time coming. But I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. Hi, this is Ian. Hi, this is Jackie. And this is In Theory Unpacking the Politics of Petty. Hi, girl. <laughs> How's Hello. Going, boo? We're here. We are back, y'all. Totally back. 150% back. Absolutely. The most back that anyone has ever been. Ever been in their whole life. Hi. Hello. How's it going, um, it's going. I'm yeah. living for this weather. Yes, it is lovely outside. We have a great view, you guys, right now. We're in a yeah. space that's different from both of our usual spaces. Because um, we a traveling kinda, podcast. Uh, right. <laughs> the traveling podcast. Podcast on tour. Like, Absolutely. I mean, hopefully. Fingers crossed, Can I just, girl. like, put that in the... Put it out put there. put that in the universe? Let's like, put it out there. Just like we all put out the universe that we're going to have a 30-minute episode. Right. It's a lie. Okay, we're going to try today. That's a lie. It's That's a, a lie. lie and a half, but we're going to try today. Um, yeah, we did mention last time that, you know, we got some really great feedback from a few of you and we wanted to make sure that we were making our episodes, you know, more consolidated so you can kind of get us in your, your ears and your brains. Although I also <laughs> got feedback from someone who was like, if you dare to make them shorter, I'm going to punch you in the face. So oh, like, shit. you know, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, back and forth, back and forth. We'll see what we end up doing, which yeah. is, you know, fine. We, probably what we just don't do is what the fuck we want to do. So maybe some will be short. And maybe, and maybe some, some will won't. be long. Yeah. And that's fine. That is fine. It's okay. We're just going to show up as ourselves. Mm-hmm. All right, boom. You good? Yeah. Then let's do it. Do oh, it. okay. Yeah. What's happening? What's up? What's happening? Just ask. Don't you about to ask me? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Well, I am actually struggling to find a chapped ass this week. Um, That's good. I mean, yeah, it's a good I'm thing. I'm all for it. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I think that in um, just like a very casual, just like a crease in, my, in this beautiful ass of mine, I think is just, um, I'm a, you know, I had an interesting, I was, I shared some interesting space the other day and we were talking about, uh, I was, I was talking to a mixed group of both, like, you know, cis and trans people. We were talking about this idea of, you know, gender as a social construct. And it actually ended up being quite a productive conversation. I was really um, pleased with everyone who kind of brought themselves to the space and was very authentic and, you know, both their problematic views, in my opinion, and their, and just, like, they were just truthful. And it was like, I'm always grateful for a truthful conversation. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like we're able to get work done at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But but something that I uh, was just reflecting on and kind of like highlighted for these cis people was, you know, they were saying, I'd be asking, you know, gender is a social construct. If you believe that, what does that complicate for you? Because if you truly believe right. that gender is a social construct, that complicates everything. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, you know, uh, the way... Because it's easy, I think, to like just kind of say it. And exactly. Like, but like exactly. to really comprehend the gravity of that and like understand the way in which it affects your life. Yeah. Yeah. But no, and I think that was the thing, right? Because like what I what I really what what I found most complicates that, especially when we talk about gender as a social construct. I think what most complicates that more than anything else, the mm-hmm. thing that gets people like, and we've all, we've really talked about this or in a roundabout way on the show is um, you know people's like intimacy and their love and who they who they allow themselves to love and yeah. see and desire. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people. And so I just kind of said to them, I'm like, you believe gender is a social construct. How does that complicate your sexuality? You know, and they really, yep. and like, and this was a group full of like, you know, a lot of like, and we, we were particularly talking to cis gay men, mm-hmm. um, some of color, some not, and speaking to them and kind of saying, you know, you've, you know, you've grown up with this idea that you are a homosexual, but you say you believe that gender is a social construct. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for you? You know, and I'm less talking, that's not really what chaps my ass. I think what chaps my ass just like slightly and. It didn't in this space in particular because once again people brought themselves and were honest yeah. in, in, in in the multiplicity of their experiences. Right. Uh-huh. Um and we're just there to learn and that was great. Um but what bothers me is that uh is that what chaps my ass is this idea that we say these things but don't actually interrogate them. We don't like dig any deeper. Yeah. We don't ask our we don't ask, you know, we don't say, okay, so I believe gender is a social construct. Well, how does that complicate my life? I believe that white supremacy is the root of many of the evils of the formation of this country. What does that affect in the way that I operate in the world? Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that capitalism is the root of many evils. Mm-hmm. How do I, how does that complicate everything that I participate in, mm-hmm. right? So I think that I'm, I'm, as we, as we are moving through this time of like, you know, this popular wokeness and things that we've already rolled our I eyes mean, on I mean, that we've already podcast, talked about so many times. So many times. I think that that's just what chaps my ass is. It's, it's this idea of when you say things, are you leaning into that? Are you actually mm-hmm. under? Are you actually examining is with that? Is you doing it? Say it. Say it. Like, is well, you like, doing actually, it? Like, you know, does do, do your political quote unquote beliefs in any way influence the way you shape the world? And it's so interesting, right, that we talk about political beliefs, but then mm-hmm. we talk about religious beliefs, where it's like you're checking in practically every week if you're a follower like you know uh you go to like a specific space mm-hmm. to kind of get like you know like the plus one or the anti up or get like a tune-up on your religious beliefs mm-hmm. but you don't do the same with your political beliefs you know uh you don't do the same with your uh religious belief your political beliefs so you know i think i think that's just something that chops my ass is like what are what are you doing when you say i believe this 
what are you doing to um, see the world through that lens? And how mm-hmm. does that shift that? Because you, I don't believe you can say, I believe this and not have it affect the way you walk Absolutely. the world. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something that I'm struggling with too. And I said this last week on the podcast and I said it even after the podcast, I put it on my Instagram, like my, the, my story on Instagram. It's just this thing of like, we really don't comprehend the gravity of what it is that we're saying and like what, how we're saying it and how that, or the word you used is complicate and that's the perfect word, how that complicates the way in which we function uh, like every day. I, I mean, people, I think, because we're so obsessed with like presentations and labels and stuff like that, I think they're okay with sitting there and being like, oh, I'm a feminist, I'm this, I'm that. And like using that as a label for themselves, how they walk through the world, as opposed to like, realizing that it is very much a philosophy of thought and as such as a philosophy of action as well and so that's like how does that like i love that you equated it to like a like to a religious experience and this concept of like this is the lens with which i am choosing to see the world how does that shape it and like how does that shape the way in which i function in it and i know and And i think that's the perfect way to i think that's the perfect way to say it and in the space that i was in um there was one person who said i don't know I don't know if I believe that. And I was so grateful for that person because they're that person being honest. They're being honest and they were like, like yeah. they weren't trying to like impress the group of trans people who were there. They weren't trying to like, you know, cape for, you know, their for themselves essentially. Right. They were just like, I really don't know if I believe that. I don't know that. And so I'm not gonna just raise my hand. I'm going to say, I don't know. And it's that's what I wish so many people would do, is like say, I I believe that, you know, like for example, you talked about feminism, you know, I wish that white feminists would just say, I truly do believe that, you know, that uh, that men and women should be equal. And that's where I'm operating from. When we talk about trans women, I don't, like, I feel a lot of complications around that. This is what Tuamanda could have said. She didn't have to say, oh, no to this. I don't believe in that. She could have just said, I really don't, I don't know enough. You know, it is what we, we've already right. talked about this but, And also, so I like, was talking to somebody I don't else know about enough. this, too. I don't know enough to say yes to that. I don't know enough to, like, really form a true, solid opinion about that because mm-hmm. I don't do because that. Because everybody, so, everybody is so hell-bent on wanting to know everything. And there's no way in hell you're ever going to know everything. Just say you don't Just know. Just say you there's don't such know. such a valid okay answer. not to know. And that is an admittance that you are willing to learn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So. Absolutely. That's my little chapter. ass. What's up with you, boo? Um, my chapped ass this week is family in particular. Ooh, yes, let's talk about it. Uh, my only because I don't have a really, I don't have a really strong connection with my extended family, um, because the way that I see my family is a my chosen family and b like my mom and my brother, right? Like yeah. that's the family with which I have endowed myself, and so whenever I have a lot of really complicated feelings surrounding. And I think this is also, I, like, I have a lot of really complicated feelings surrounding the concepts of family and of extended family and, like, what that means and what the obligations there are. And so whenever I am, like, a witness to somebody else's family and, like, brought into those spaces where it's, like, we're family, I'm, like, ah, like, yeah. just sitting there screeching, you know. And yeah. so I had this moment today, actually, this after this morning, where, like, I'm trying... This is another thing that I think we're afraid to deconstruct is concepts of family and like what family means, right? Yeah. And like the way family functions like as a tool of our society, you know, and like I how dangerous it can be to like adhere to what we see as a familial tie when it's not necessarily in our best interests or like when people don't. I'm speaking in particular from a place in which like and I was saying this to Jason yesterday is that David and I are in this weird in between as far as like being cousins. 
because my parents had kids late for their age and for their counterparts, like in comparison to their counterparts is what I mean to say. And so my dad comes from a really, really large family and all of his sisters had kids in there, had kids way earlier than he did. And he's also one of the, the younger siblings. So there's nine of them. And he is the first Jesus. out of the last third. Yeah. <laughs> so like, um, but even then, like his sister who is younger than him had kids before he did. Like he, you know, both of my parents waited until they were a little bit older to have kids, which is fine. But that means that David and I were born in the space in which we were too young to really bond with everyone else who was simultaneously a first cousin in our family. And then by the time they were having kids, we were already teenagers. And so they, or like, you know, preteens and like going into that age. And so all these kids were so much younger than us. And so David and I just kind of sat there like, okay, do, 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 you know, yeah. and that weird in between. And like, granted, that's nobody's fault. Like that's not, you know, that shit don't happen on purpose. It just happens. But it's also the space in which, like, I've really had to examine, like, what family means. And, like, just listening to my mom, who has a very similar experience to me in that regard. And she has family still in Puerto Rico that she does not keep in contact with that her sister does. And, like, for much the same reasons of, like, you know, familial traumas and things like that. And so I just, I get very annoyed. And this is kind of my chapped ass. I get very annoyed that we don't examine what it family means and like how family as we come to think of it functions in our society because I don't necessarily know that family is always a good thing yeah I don't know that it's been a good thing for me I don't know that it's I think that my feelings my complicated feelings surrounding family is what makes me so wary in regards to like what my family is going to look like the older I get you know and like it's not to sit here and be like I don't know if I want it's like there's certain things it's like I really truly don't know that and like I was telling my mom this also that people don't... My mom and I were having a conversation about this and she agreed with me. Um, she agreed with me that... And I basically was like, people do not comprehend the gravity of what it is to create a person and like have that person exist in this world. Yeah. Because I'm sitting here and I'm like, people really are like so excited to have a kid, but what does everybody think? Everybody thinks they're going to have an able-bodied, straight, cisgender child. Yeah. You don't sit there and think about, like, you like you are making your child so ill-equipped to function in this world, the way in I which also, it functions. To, just to be fair, I will say that very few people, I, I, think, like, I think, like, there, I think there are a lot of people who do think, think about oh, that. Oh, yeah, 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 very few people. But, like... It's not part of, like, the public consciousness at yeah, large. Yeah, I, I, think, I, think I think the way, but to add to what you're saying and support it, I think, is, like, I think that a lot of people in this society are... I think that the way that we are socially conditioned to think about children and think about things yep. is so generalized and so mm-hmm. um, idealized in many ways. Idealized, yeah. Because I don't want to. I don't want to idealize like cis-bodied, able-bodied, straight children. Like I think that all children having a child is a beautiful thing. Period. Absolutely. But like I think that we create this very like singular quote-unquote ideal image of what oh, your child absolutely. will be. Oh, absolutely, yeah, that's totally And then don't provide and then like but don't actually have conversations about like we don't idealize in, in society like you know oh like. Having a child, that's probably just a beautiful thing to bring life into the world and like to support and like, like what that beings. means, yeah. 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 And so like people don't figure like people are so in like it's just to me it's like the world is so fucked up in the way that it functions. Like it would be something if I ever sat here and said to myself, I want to try to have a child in X amount of time. If I ever came to that point 
it would really come down to me being like, but do I really want another person to exist in this world? And that's not because I'm sitting here saying like, oh, like fuck everything. It's like, no, but like understanding the gravity of what it means to exist, you know? And like, is that something that I am okay with? Is that something that I feel like I am either, the difference is between whether or not I feel like I'm bestowing that or whether I'm like, Inflicting. Sen- inflicting, yeah, absolutely. So, Ooh, inflicting living. Ooh, Ooh you know. And so it's right. just like it, it's it's complicated, and I feel very complicated. I have very complicated feelings surrounding family and like what we perceive familial obligations to be, and I'm just like very annoyed, especially when we come to these. I we're in that weird time of year where it's like Mother's Day and Father's Day, which is like cool and great. I'm not saying that like people shouldn't get excited about that or celebrate that, but I mean, there's a lot of fucked up feelings that people have surrounding those things and so it's just like yeah yeah. I agree yeah cool also I wanted to apologize to our podcast audience I think I've been like sniffing throughout this whole thing my allergies are just like attacking my face so enjoy this great sounds you're getting cool (laughs) okay All right. so So um, tell us about your piece Ian (laughs) yeah uh so, um, I chose this piece today because, um, the day that this episode is released, it will be the anniversary of, um, the Pulse Orlando shooting, and this piece that I wrote, I wrote, um, in, rela- in, 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 a, in conjunction with that event. Um, the first time I ever performed this piece, um, I, someone had reached out to me, well, I, no, I... I'm trying to remember how... Yeah, yeah. No, um, someone had reached out to me and was saying, you know, I'm putting together um, I'm putting together this event. Um, Annalisa Velez, by the way. I, I think I said that right. I probably said it wrong. I apologize. Um, but she she reached out to me and she said, you know, I want you to be a part of this event that we're having outside of Pulse. And it, I had attended... Um, no, no, not outside of Pulse, sorry. That we're having outside of Stonewall Inn. Mm-hmm. And in honor of Pulse. And um, I had just come back from Portland where I first heard the news and I spent like the entire day just like weeping. Uh, that, that event really hit me very, very deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I went, I came back to New York. She asked me to be part of this event outside of Stonewall to commemorate the, to, um, commemorate the moment. And I had first gone to a couple days before the rally that was happening outside of there. And I mean, it was like this huge thing that occurred and I was just sitting there watching all these things and we kept on like the, the crowd just like kept on screaming say their names say their names because that's all that we really wanted to do there and there were all these people who were coming up and talking about gun violence talking about this that and the third um, then they brought up oh god I'm trying I to remember I was there which, so which, which basic I, white boy it spoke. was Nick Jonas Fucking I was there so I guess like you and I were both there and like didn't realize didn't know the other it. person yeah, yeah. was there but Nick fucking I remember yes. Nick Jonas. Yeah. They they literally had this whole moment in which they were like a great ally to the community, Nick Jonas. And I was just like we literally all of the people around me. Everyone were like, around me fucking was like, win. what? Like Since fucking when? Who is he? All I know that Nick Jonas has done was that around that same time he had been putting out he'd been like put out a lot on the internet as like creating a lot of like queer baiting. You know, or like gay baiting or whatever. Right. And I was just like, and I was like, what the fuck relevance do you have to anything? Why are you getting, why are you being honored in this way? What? 
So um, I was holding all of that in me, and I knew that I was performing this, and I hadn't written anything yet, and I didn't know what I was going to do, and I sat down and wrote this piece. And, um, like, you know, so that, like, so Nick, the Nick Jonas section is literally, like, you know, um, uh, honors given must be earned. Oh! Uh, now yeah. that I know that, like, I'm always yeah. going to be, like, like yes. you know, yes, to yes. myself. Uh, but, um... Honors given must be earned. Honors given I must be earned. Win. But so I sat down and wrote this piece and I performed it outside of Stonewall. It the show, um, and it was a very like moving and moving and beautiful experience. I think that was actually the first time that I had performed spoken word in public. Yeah, I, in really? that in that way. Oh, yeah, shit. I don't think I don't think prior to then I had ever really. Right. Like, I had shared my writing before in like but personal not, things, right, but I but never like, like performed like with a spoken word group. Right. So this and so this actually is now a part of my one person show on the train to nowhere in particular. Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, yeah, so I wanted to kind of, you know, I wanted to bring this piece back because it was, you know, it was what I gave, it, it was the moment that I was trying to give back to, um, my community. Right. And I feel like, you know, when this is released, uh, it is important to remember, like, these are just a lot of the ways that I view the things, you know, like, I think that, um, like, it was just such a moment for me of recognizing that this huge rally that was occur- that had occurred a couple days before felt so divorced from the people who it was meant to commemorate. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt so political. It felt so separate. And, um, and it was happening outside of Stonewall. Mm-hmm. You know, and thinking about the things that have happened as far as, like, remembering Stonewall. And, like, you know, a black trans woman... Picked up a brick and broke a glass ceiling. It wasn't even a brick; it was a shot glass. But you know, like right, it was, and all the ways that that narrative has been stolen right. or attempted to be stolen, you know, and yeah. So I think that I think that just like in remembering Pulse, uh, so to remember Pulse, um, I remember like you know, it's it's funny like talking about like, you know this separation from the event because I think that in so many ways like my experience with Pulse around that time and the many things that happened around that were so linked to these moments of, like, being separated from the event mm-hmm. in the way that, you know, when I first heard about it, I was um, I was in Portland, Oregon with a show, and I was in bed, and I was, uh, and I had just woken up, and I was just going through my phone, mm-hmm. and I just started seeing these things, and I didn't understand what was mm-hmm. going on, and, you know, we're kind of desensitized. Right, so it's that, like some it, shit it, happens, it, it, like, it is interesting how, like, I, I think sometimes for myself, like, these certain, like, mass shootings will occur, and I'll just be like, and it, will, and it takes, like, people, like, posting about it or like some people like saying reminding me that this is a horrible thing that happens because it just seems to happen all the time mm-hmm. and so it like had to like really sink in like the and like and we were still getting the numbers in right at this point mm-hmm. we were still the numbers yeah. were changing and changing and changing throughout the day mm-hmm. we were doing a show about lgbtq youth and homelessness mm-hmm. and you know i'd woken up i checked my phone and the numbers were coming in and we were learning more and more and the plan, this is kind of like our first off, like our only off day that we had to really go explore Portland. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was just devastated. I was sitting there like, what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. You know? And these people who I was with all were kind of like, oh, we're just going to keep on going and hiking. And they, they, t- they just left. And it was this moment for me of feeling very disconnected from them because I was like, Many of you say that you belong to this community that was just attacked. Right. Yet you're just gonna act like nothing happened. Nothing happened. And they, and like so I was like, I can't go and hide today. I need to be I just need I, I can't I can't go anywhere. I need to cry. I need to cry and mourn all right. day. Right. So I just stayed home and cried 
And then they got back, and we were supposed to leave that evening and get on the plane, and they came back, and they're like, oh, how was your day? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? How was my day? You know? And so I think that that was a moment of me feeling so disconnected from people's experience at that moment, you know? It Mm -hmm. was so... It was just very... It was very disconnected for me. I was like, how are you this disconnected from someone you say you belong to, Mm -hmm. you know? And that was the same thing with the rally that occurred, you know? Yeah, that was a fucking mess. It was was just... It was a mess. Yeah. It was a fucking mess. And that's why it's just like I... That's honestly partly why I don't go to many large protests because it's always some, some of them some of them I'm like I think like you know some of them I miss out on and I'm like fuck I think that was actually like a really a good one you know mm-hmm. a real one but some of them it's just like this feels so large it feels so corporate it feels so opportunistic and mm-hmm. it feels gross mm-hmm. and I'm not invested in that at all right you have the language you have the sounds you have the fists but you don't have any of the content right so I just like yeah yeah so what what about you? Where were you when you heard about it? Or was, what was your experience at this mo- at this particular moment? My, it was, I was at home. Came, same, literally same thing. Came up my phone, scrolling through Facebook. At that point, there were still, like you said, numbers coming in in regards to how many people had um, been killed, and it was such an isolating experience for me because up until that point, I had not been open with my sexuality, or like had language for it or had like comfort in discussing it openly and so I came to this place where I just was instantly like struck and I was in that same place of like I wanted to cry everywhere that I was and this was something that Kayla and I both shared because same thing was happening Kayla was saying the same thing was that she's like literally everywhere that I am I just want to fucking like yeah cry and so I it was such a polarizing experience for me and like not to see like oh like it was about me like that's not simultaneously like what I want that to sound like but it came but this moment came where I was like okay any fears that I had surrounding that like I grew up and this is also so weirdly funny that like in the same episode that like I just previously was talking about like familial ties and like what the fuck that means I grew up in a very queer antagonistic household and like not from my mom per se but like from my dad in which he was very like adamantly and like violently in the sense that he said really heinous things very violently queer antagonistic and so that was like an element of me that I just like never explored for my own safety I think and I was just kind of like okay you know, yeah. packages up, like folds into a little, folds into myself basically. Yeah. And so this was an instance in which I felt really isolated and I felt very much like, I. it was a really polarizing experience for me because I was like, who do I reach out to and sit here and say like, this is what I'm going through and this is why. And like, it, it was a moment where, and then I also had to reconcile like, okay, it came there came a need for honesty at that point and it's not that I necessarily think that I was like lying before per se like I don't know that like I'm telling I was like telling a lie but it's also just this instance in which like I'm like I need to be honest with like the completion of who it is that I am as a person and I was so afraid of like rejection from so many people and like I was really really I was really scared of that I was that was the biggest thing for me was that I was like I don't know who is still going to be here and like who is gonna you know and it's it's and that sounds so funny like considering all the people that i know that are queer and like you know that people that i work with that are also queer and like 
it, it, I don't know. It was just a really polarizing experience for me, and I just felt... It was this weird instance in which, like, I couldn't reach out to other people because I felt very much like it's going to be like, okay, but, like, why are you entering this conversation? Like, you know? And I was like, yeah. because, you know, flails. And it's just... It was... it. I hate saying that it prompted the need for me to be, like, open, but it did, you know? And, like, because to me that felt so much... I have a piece about it somewhere also, but it felt very much like there are people dying and I'm sitting here and, you know, I mean, and I always say this, that omission is a form of dishonesty in its own right. You know, it's like there are people dying and I'm sitting here being like, I'm scared. And it's not to say that, like, and that's not to invalidate anyone else who may be feeling fear or, you know, apprehension or, you know, just but not you, having the answers around experience. that. But you that was my experience for me. It was yeah. that it was like, because there are people who would be in imminent danger, you yeah. know, if they're, you know, if they come out or if they're honest about like what their experience is. But I, at that point was not at that point, you know, and like, while yes, I had my fears and I had my apprehensions for the most part, like I was apprehensive of some things and like obviously fearful of some things, but like, for the most part, I knew people that were going to surround me. So like in that, right, because I felt like I was in a space to be honest, I had to be, and I didn't feel like I couldn't be. And so that was just like, yeah, it was a lot. It was very polarizing. It was very, it was very isolating for me. Yeah. 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 It was definitely, um, I mean, I don't feel like we have really, near enough amount of time to truly remember right. this particular moment. Yeah. But um, I think that it was um, so just such a horrific, such a horrific moment. And I think that it's, it's something that I find mm-hmm. is that sometimes these things happen and like kind of like 9-11 is actually kind of like this for me is that I feel like sometimes the way that we grieve publicly and as like as a whole you know like as a world as a country as a mm-hmm. thing it becomes too much for me and it becomes too filled with other things and other intentions like like a spe- and I think Pulse like, like for me like 9-11 the way that it's remembered is remembered with a lot of there's so much like other messages woven into like our remembering of 9-11 a lot of like you know anti-Muslim anti mm-hmm. Just a, there's a lot of hate mm-hmm. that's woven into our to our grief, mm-hmm. and so I think that's why, particularly for me, it's very. And I think that with like Pulse, it was almost instantaneous mm-hmm. the, how quickly hatred was woven into mm-hmm. that particular moment, how quickly erasure was woven mm-hmm. in, and how it has been woven in. I, just as we approach yep. this anniversary of this moment, it has been so heavily. Um, Polluted. Polluted is the word. You know? And so I think for me, um, this, like, Pulse was the kind of the first time when I really started, like, stepping away. And it's funny because I've never actually really named all the ways in which, like, Pulse truly affected me. Mm-hmm. But I think that, like, Pulse was kind of when I stopped that experience, going to that huge rally. That's kind of when I was like, I don't know that I want to go back to another huge rally like that. That's what, I think that that's when I started really personalizing my grief. and yeah. remo- And removing it from, like, the public yeah and public spaces Mm -hmm. and being very specific about how I grieve Mm -hmm. because I think that um you know naming for myself I can't go and walk in in Portland with y'all 
I need to be very much by myself. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you don't, like, you know, it's like, if somebody wanted to stay with me, I, that would have been community. I would have known. But, like, right. I know, I just, I no longer feel any, um, any need to perform my grief. Because I think that they, it gets so quickly polluted and so quickly mm-hmm. um, tainted. So, that being said, we're on a public podcast, you know, so I don't want to... No, uh, right, but, like, we're also sharing <clears throat> space here. Yeah. You know, we're it's sh- like, I mean, if you yeah. listen, you go listen, but... <laughs> yeah. But I think that, you know, uh, there's so much more to be said about, like, yeah. this particular moment, and there's so many people who are going to say so many more things, um, but I think that what I hope that we all walk away from and remembering this moment is remembering um, is remembering the loss of people mm-hmm. and remembering that that is the tragedy. That was another that, thing for that me That people too. were lost. That is a tragedy. And that is a tragedy that needs to be respected. And right. This is not a moment to say, you know, gun control now. This is not a moment to like push a platform, push a campaign. This is not the moment. And I think that if you see it as a moment, you need That's to take a moment to When examine. there are people like grieving their community because it's like no, everybody wants to sit there and be like, this is the problem without actually addressing the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we you saw, know, we saw like, it happen with the election, right? Of like how many people were like immediately out the gate like, you've got to stop, like stop crying. We need to get to work. It's like, do you realize what has been done to people? Right. Like what this means? Mm-hmm. So I think that we need to be very, um, guard your grief. I think that's going to be my, guard your grief. My little Polish its authenticity. Mm. Don't let motherfuckers put their dust on it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. So for the sake of, preserving some semblance of time in this podcast we are going to cut bay of the day know that we love many things in this world as well as get tired with them (laughs) um but we think that it's more important on this day to honor those who we lost in pulse so we are going to be reading the names of all the victims all 49 of this senseless tragedy and uh yeah we're just gonna start yep we are reading from uh, the Miami Herald. It is a great article because it provides a picture and also provides a backstory for each of the victims. Edward Sotomayor Jr., 34. Stanley Amordovar III, 23. Luis Omar Ocasio Capo, 20. Juan Ramon Guerrero, 22. Eric Ivan Ortiz Rivera, 36. Peter O. Gonzalez Cruz, 22. Luis S. Vielma, 22. Kimberly Morris, 37. Eddie Jamaljoy Justice, 30. Daryl Roman Burt, the second, 29. 
Diomka Deidre, Drayton, 32. Alejandro Barrios Martinez, 21. Anthony Luis Larian Odisla, 25. John Carlos Mendez Perez, 35. Frankie Jimmy De Jesus Velasquez, 50. Amanda Alviar, 25. Martin Benitez Torres, 33. Luis Daniel Wilson Leon, 37. Mercedes Marisol Flores, 26. Javier Emanuel Serrano Rosado, 35. Gilberto Ramon Silva Menendez, 25. Simon Adrian Corillo Fernandez, 31. Oscar A. Aracena Montero, 26. Enrique El Rios Jr., 25. Miguel Angel Adorato, 30. Javier Jorge Reyes, 40. Joel Rayon Paniagua, 32. Jason Benjamin Josefat, 19. Corey James Connell, 21. Juan P. Rivera Velasquez, 37. Luis Daniel Conde, 39. Shane Evan Tomlinson, 33. Juan Chines Martinez, 25. Gerald Arthur Wright, 31. Leroy Valentin Fernandez, 25. Tevin Eugene Crosby, 25. Jonathan Antonio Camoy Vega, 24. John C. Nevis Rodriguez, 27. Rodolfo Ayala Ayala, 33. Brenda Lee Marquez McCool, 49. Yilmari Rodriguez Sullivan, 24. Christopher Andrew Leinenen, 32. Angel L. Condelario Padro, 28. Frank Hernandez, 27. Paul Terrell Henry, 41. Antonio Devin Brown, 29. Christopher Joseph San Feliz, 24. Akira Monet Murray, 18. Geraldo A. Ortiz Jimenez, 25. A moment of silence. Presente. Okay. Well, that's it for today. Okay. That's what we've got for you. 
Um, okay, so in theory, the show will be performing excerpts of it at the Highline in New York City as part of the Yes Noise Festival yeah. tour. Yeah. Uh, it's happening on... June 25th. It's a Sunday. The tours start at 2 o'clock. Um, it's going to be at the 34th and... 34th Street and 10th Avenue entrance of the Highline, which is right by Think Coffee. Um, we will be including a link in the description box. Yes. Um, where you can come and see a little bit of In Theory, the show. We're really yeah. excited to share it with you. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to try to be better about constantly saying this, but as always, please follow us at In Theory DP on Instagram. And also, if you would like to ask us a question on the show, if you would like to be featured on the show, if you would like to just talk about the show, if you'd like to just tell us that you think we're great, um, please email us at InTheoryDP at gmail.com. Yeah. And um, I think that's it. I I, uh, I don't think I have any announcements, really. You good there? Yeah, I think we're good. Well, we love you all. And please go out and remember um, the people that we've lost today. Light a candle. Say a prayer. Do a dance. Live your truth. Whatever you need to do. But please remember the people we've lost today. Yep. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>